Hello and welcome. My name is Vince and I want to thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time with us, whether in person or online, do us a favor and message us on social media or fill out the connect card on your seat back in front of you. Now sit tight as service is about to begin. Uh, the 4th of July happens to fall on a Sunday this year. And uh, just wanted to let you guys know that since the 4th is a Sunday, I know that a lot of you will be traveling and, and you've got plans and there's a lot of things going on. I understand that. Somebody was like, are we going to cancel service for the 4th of July? Like, no, we're not canceling service for the 4th of July, but we will do one service. So, so the 4th of July, which is two weeks from today, we're going to do one service 10 a.m. So I know that you 11 a.m. folks are like, really, I have to be here an hour earlier? Like, yes, I know. I'm sorry. Compromise. Like, remember last week, there is good compromise. It's meeting in the middle. So we're literally meeting in the middle of the 9 a.m. and the, the 11 a.m. We're going to do a 10 a.m. one service uh, July 4th. So make sure you write that down. Otherwise, you're going to show up at 11 o'clock on the 4th, right as I'm praying, and we're going to be dismissed. And you're going to be like, I missed it. I'm sorry. Nothing I can do for you at that point. You can watch it online. Um, but just wanted to make you aware of that. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Where's the dads at? Let me see. How many dads we got in the house? Awesome. Happy Father's Day. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Honor you guys. We're in this together. We've got this. We can, we can, do, we can do this. Uh, preparing for, for Father's Day. A few weeks ago, I had seen um, on, on TikTok, somebody, you know, I get random people send me different things. And, and typically, like, I'm not making TikToks. So, like, don't worry. I'm not, like, doing all the dances and, like, recording myself in the bathroom. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Um, but I just get fun. Like people send me funny TikToks and typically it's just like people falling or hurting themselves. So I'm just laughing at people getting hurt most of the day. Uh, but somebody sent me this, this TikTok and it was this dad's, this dad's TikTok of like, at the end of the day, if there was like a dad's press conference, you know how after, after a game, they do a press conference and the coaches, they're like, well, this is what happened today. And this is where we struggled. And this is where we need to get better. Like if there was a a dad's press conference at the end of every day, this is what it would look like. And so I recorded it to my phone, wanted to share it with you guys. Hopefully you get a kick out of that. So guys, if you're ready, go and put that up. Did you sum up the day? Yeah, honestly, just felt like we got behind early. After the milk spill and the marker on the wall, we just felt like we were playing catch up the rest of the day. Right before you went to the store, you called a timeout. Was there an attitude change after that? Yeah, it felt like we were losing our heads there for a minute. So we wanted to just calm things down. And uh, get back to the basics. Did you ever find your keys? No. No, no idea where they are. You gave them a snack half hour before dinner. Was that planned? No. I lost track of time. Was, just wasn't thinking. And so, three bites of dinner. That's on me. It didn't look like you had many answers to the double team. Is that a question? <laughs> you didn't have any answers for the double team. Is that a question? I love, I love that. And I'm so grateful that there aren't, there aren't press conferences after every daddy day. Right, like the days where Angel's at work and she comes home and she's like, hey, how was your day? Oh, it was good. As I'm pulling a gummy bear out of my hair as well. I, I laugh at this because when, and I'm, I'm not going to throw my dad completely under the bus, but just maybe just like halfway, if that's okay, halfway under the bus. Um, but when Jace was, when Jace is our oldest, when Jace was a baby, um, my parents used to watch him during the day, and then after work, I would go and I would pick him up and, and take him home. And I don't even think he was two yet. I went to their house, picked him up, um, and, and my mom wasn't there. And typically, she's the one. She's the one. And, uh, and she wasn't there. I don't know if she, she had an appointment or she was, she was out of the house. Anyway, it was just dad and Jace. Just grandpa and grandson all day. And so I pick him up and, and, and I'm loading him into his car seat, getting the diaper bag, all that stuff. And, and, you know, he wasn't even two yet. So he wasn't even in the booster seat. He was still in like the, the, the car seat that you had to carry around everywhere. And I asked my dad, I said, did he eat dinner? He said, oh yeah, he, he's eating. He's good. So you guys ate dinner. You fed him. Yeah, I fed him. He's good. He should be fine. Okay. Get in the car. We're driving home, not even five minutes down the road. And I hear, and I turn around and Jace is throwing up in his car seat all over himself. And again, it's like parents, you know, like the throw up is collecting in all the pockets of the 
car seat in the crevices and then you have to like take the cover off and like power wash it to get the smell. Like that's where we're at right now. And so he's throwing up. So I pull over and I'm, I'm getting wipes and I'm, I'm like getting the back seat. I'm cleaning him off. And as I'm cleaning him off, I start pulling his dinner off of him and I'm wiping him down. And it's like, red and green and yellow and orange and it's sticky. And I'm like, what in the world did this kid eat? And I, I like scoop up it in a like half eaten gummy worms <laughs> just all over himself and all over his car seat. Gummy worms everywhere. And I called my dad. I said, I thought you said you fed him dinner. I said, I did feed him. He had just eaten when you left. I said, gummy worms do not consist, don't, don't count as, as dinner. He said, I didn't tell you what he ate. I just told you that I had fed him. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all the fathers just trying to make it through the day and waiting till mom gets home. Love you guys, honor you guys, appreciate. The struggle is real. I'm just glad there's not press conferences to let the world know how much we struggle. Listen, today we're going to continue our series on Samson. Last week we started a new series entitled Refuse. And we talked about refusal to compromise last week, looking at, at Samson's life. And, and Samson is kind of one of those cautionary tales that we see in the scripture. It's one of those, those car accidents that you can't help but look at. Like you drive past it and it just grabs your attention. And it's like, I can't look away from this, even though I really want to. That's how, how Samson's life kind of is. And I, I told you last week, and I'll tell you again this week, rather than reading Samson's life and his story and using it as an opportunity to judge him, let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word through God's word, and, and use the story of Samson to, to show us any way that we're maybe missing the mark, any way that we need to grow, any way that we need to change so that we can avoid some of the same mistakes that Samson has made. Because I don't want to end up where Samson ended up. I don't want to end up in jail with my eyes gouged out and my hair cut off. Like, that's not where I want the end of my story to be. But, but as we look at Samson's life, there are so many things along the way that if Samson would have just stopped, he could have avoided a lot of that mess to begin with. And so we want to use this story as a way to, to learn and to grow ourselves. Last week, he, he compromised. Remember, as a Nazarite, there were three vows that he had. He, he couldn't cut his hair, he couldn't touch dead things, and he couldn't drink alcohol. He was a Nazarite, which simply means to be set apart for God's use. And so from birth, he was instructed, don't cut your hair, don't drink alcohol, don't touch dead things, don't cut your hair, don't drink alcohol, don't touch dead things. He's, he's had this through his entire life. Now he grows up and he sees a Philistine woman and says, I want her dad, get her for me, I wanna marry that girl. We said that the first thing that led him to compromise and, and often leads us to compromise is lust. And lust is simply us saying, I want that. It could be sexual, it doesn't have to be sexual. I want that house, I want that boat, I want that job, I want that fill in your own blank, I want that. Short time later, he kills a lion and, and these bees make honey in the, the carcass of this lion. He's walking down the path. And, and again, as, as a Nazarite, not supposed to touch dead things, he bends down, scoops some honey out of this that was entitlement telling him, you deserve that. If lust won't lead us to compromise, entitlement will, will by saying, we deserve, I deserve to be happy. I deserve for somebody to tell me I'm beautiful. I deserve to feel good about myself. I deserve whatever that thing is. And then he, he, he gets ready for his wedding, throws himself a party, not supposed to drink, throws himself an occasion to drink because in his pride, he said, I can handle that. The three things that led him to compromise and often lead us to compromise were lust, entitlement, and pride. And we learned last week how we need to be aware of those things. Today, we're going to pick up the story right where we left off. And we're going to be in, in Judges chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse number 11. He's getting ready for his, his wedding. His dad is finalizing all of the, the last minute details. And here's what the Bible says in verse 11. If you want to follow along, the verses will be on the screen. It says, when the bride's parents saw him, Samson, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions, either one because he didn't have friends or two because none of his friends would go with him to a Philistine wedding. So they select 30 young men from town to be his companions. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. First time he meets these guys, just met, 
Hey, this is your wedding party since you didn't provide your own. Samson's introduction is, I've got a riddle for you. Let me see if I'm smarter than you guys are. He says, if you solve my riddle during these seven days, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he says, out of the one who eats came something sweet. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now you and I read this with the context and the history and the story of him killing the lion and eating the honey. And so we obviously have understanding. He didn't even tell his parents where the honey came from when he brought the honey to them. So literally nobody knows the answer. Nobody knows what in the world he's even talking about except for Samson. Imagine somebody walked up to you on the side of the street today that you've never had a conversation with and says, hey, I've got a riddle for you and gives you this riddle. That means nothing to me. I have no chance of solving that riddle. Like that could mean literally anything, dude. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're talking about. It says three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they come to Samson's wife. Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us. <laughs> or watch this. Or we will burn down your father's house with, house with you in it. That escalated quickly. Like we just, we just went from zero to a hundred real fast. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how that when you start to compromise in your life, things start to escalate pretty quickly around you. You make one compromise, which leads you to another compromise, which leads you to another compromise. And Samson who, who touched something dead and then throws himself this party and he's beginning to make compromise after compromise after compromise and things start escalating pretty quickly until you get to a point where you look around. It's like, how did I even, how did I get here? How do I find myself in this position today? Give us the answer. Or we'll burn down your father's house with you, with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So look at what his wife does. Ladies, what would you do? I'm gonna get that answer. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. Not only do you not love me, but you hate me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't even told me the answer. Samson looks at her, side-eyed, and says, I haven't even given the answer to my parents. Why should I tell you? <laughs> I still want to get married? <laughs> why should he said, Why should I tell you? So she kept crying whenever she was with him. And kept it up for the rest of the celebration. Again, they're three days into a seven-day celebration. At day three, she comes to him and says, you hate me. You won't tell me the answer. For the rest of the celebration, how long is that? That's four days, guys. For the next four days, they're at this party in this house. And anytime she was in the same room as Samson, she would begin to cry. Why he would stick around for four days. Never mind. <laughs> she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer. Why? Because she was tormenting him. Ladies, don't play this game. She was tormenting him with her nagging. Happy Father's Day. Let's just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fellas, just get it now because you don't know where we're going. She was tormenting him with her nagging. Then, so, so, so he gives her the answer. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. Party's almost over, but we have your answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson, how you know he was a newlywed? Look at his response. Samson replies, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Fellas, don't call your wife a heifer. If you're engaged... Don't call your fiance a heifer. If you have any hopes of being married at any time in your life, don't call her a heifer. I'll just leave that there. That's free. You can write that down. Hopefully it's in your notes today. Let's pray. And we're going to get into God's word. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, I thank you that, that there are, are, are things for us to learn in the scripture today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us as we open our hearts, as we open our eyes, as we open our ears. Would, would, would you reveal to us exactly what you want to say? Do exactly what you want to do 
accomplish your purpose for this day and this moment in our lives. God, we thank you and we love you. Be with us today. Bless the fathers on Father's Day in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. This morning, I want us to continue to look at Samson's life. And, and last week, we said we need to refuse to, to compromise. How that There are times in Samson's life where he allowed compromise to creep in, much like King David did. King David, who the very same thing in his entitlement said, I, I don't need to be at war. I deserve to rest. When the kings are at war, he was napping. He woke up, stepped out on the balcony, and in his lust said, who is that? Find out who that is because I want that. Bring Bathsheba to me gets her pregnant and in his pride says, I can handle it, I'll cover it up. I am the king after all. And, and so last week we looked at the compromise that came in, but, but as we look today at Samson's story, as we continue to examine his life, there are, are so many signs of immaturity in him that what we need to refuse today is we need to refuse to be okay with immaturity. Happy Father's Day. I saw a meme this week that said, every Mother's Day sermon, we love you, we bless you, we honor you. Every Father's Day sermon, get your act together. <laughs> like, that's not my intention today. Like, we had this planned out. It just happened to fall on Father's Day. I don't know, that God was working in it. But we need to refuse to be okay with immaturity. What is immaturity? Immaturity is a lack of maturity. Very good. Awesome. What is maturity? Maturity, according to the dictionary, means to be full grown. But for our purposes, here, here's how I would define maturity. Maturity is the ability to understand and manage one's emotions and, and knowing when and how to act according to the circumstances. Knowing when and how to act. Having the ability to understand your emotions and to be able to manage them in a way that doesn't, doesn't cause us to fly off the handle when we get angry. That doesn't call us, cause us to, to run into every temptation when, when that pops up on the phone or that pops up on, on the TV. It doesn't, doesn't cause us to, to run into all of these things so quickly, but we can understand, we can manage, and then we can act accordingly. That's what real maturity is, and that's what real maturity looks like. So many of us struggle with this because we weren't taught how to process our emotions. Men and women process totally different. Women, when you, when you start feeling something, you just want to talk about it. Angel last year for Mother's Day said, I want you to build me a pergola and a patio. Why? Not because she wanted a pergola and a patio, but she wanted someplace to congregate and talk. <laughs> True story. Like there's a set of furniture out there. And in fact, a year later, we don't even call it the pergola anymore. We don't call it the patio. You know what we call it in our house? That's the conversation set. That's what it's known as. Because if you see Angel out there sitting on her conversation set, if you're not ready to have a two-hour conversation, don't go sit out there. You just stay inside. Like the, the solar lights will come on and she'll keep talking until the solar lights go off. It's the conversation set. Why? Because women, when, when, when there are emotions, women want to talk about. Men, when you start feeling something, what do you do? You do. Whatever it is, I do it. If, it, if I start feeling a good emotion, I'm going to do what makes me feel good. If I start feeling a negative emotion, I'm going to do whatever I have to to get rid of that emotion. That's what we've been taught. Men don't cry. Men don't show their emotions. You, you, you need to push that aside. That's, that's what society or that's what our parents or that's what, what movies, culture has told us. That men, you are not supposed to cry. Nothing could be further from the truth. You're not supposed to feel. Nothing could be further from the truth. Who gave you those emotions? God did. I told you a couple months ago, your emotions are indicators, not directives. Yeah. Like you, you, you feel them, but you need to understand where they're coming from. But then now what do I do with them? We've been told, you just got to take the bull by the horns. You just got to get in there. You got to do, you got to do, you got to do. And it's like, hold on, let's just slow down because we see that in Samson's life. We see, we see what happens with his emotion. We have a, a whole generation of young men who are coming into adulthood who haven't taught, been taught how to process their emotions and they're just train wrecks to the point where, where there's this new phrase that has been coined. It's Peter Pan syndrome. Peter Pan syndrome, where these, these young men are reaching adulthood, but they're still living in Never Never Land like they're little boys because they haven't been taught by their parents or by society or by culture what true manhood looks like, what true masculinity is, what it means to be a man. 
how to, how, to, how to feel and how to have emotion and process emotion. We haven't been equipped in that way. So we've got a bunch of men who have grown up singing, I don't want to grow up because I'm a Toys R Us kid. A million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. Why do I have to grow up? Just take me back to Never Never Land. We need to, to not be okay with immaturity. We need to, to, to take steps to grow up, not just, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and relationally and, and in every area of our lives. We need to understand what this looks like. And it's not just for men. Because I know a lot of immature women too. It's not just, this is not just a message for Father's Day for ladies, you to be nudging that man next to you like, see, I've been telling you, you need to grow up. Like, that's not what this is. Like, this is, this is for everybody. This is for all of us because I did youth ministry for four years. I transitioned out of youth ministry. And after I transitioned out, I had youth pastors coming to me like, hey, so what's the difference between youth ministry and adult ministry? Like, it's got to be like night and day. Like the things that I'm dealing with, with junior hires and high school students, like I, what, what, what is it like? How do you make that transition? You know what my answer was? There's not much difference. <laughs> True story, like legit. What's the difference between, between, between teenagers and adults? Not as much as you think. They're all dealing with the exact same thing. It just happens to manifest itself differently in their lives. You've got teenagers struggling with identity. Why? Because their parents are struggling with identity. Yeah. You got teenagers making bad decisions. Why? Because of peer pressure. So they're doing what their friends want them to do. But you have adults going into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Why? Because my neighbor bought a boat, so I need to buy a boat. It might not be the same kind of peer pressure, but I'm doing it so that other people look at me this way and think this about me. And so it manifests itself differently, but at the core of it all, it's all the same. A lot of immature, not not just relationally immature or emotionally, but spiritually immature. Like we are such an immature people these days. We were spoon-fed everything. We go home and we turn on the TV. Why do you think it calls it, call it, they call it TV programming? Because we sit there and we're being programmed every single day. We can't think for ourselves anymore. Thank you. A bunch of immature adults walking around with Peter Pan syndrome. And as we look at Samson's life, very much the same. Very much the same. There are things in Samson's life that, that show us that he was immature, that he, he struggled with allowing his immaturity to dictate the direction of his life. The first thing that we see in Samson's life is that he was ruled by his emotions. He was literally controlled by what he felt. He tells this riddle. His wife nags him. What emotion was that, fellas? You don't have to answer, but I know. When your wife is nagging you, what emotion do you feel? Annoyance, frustration. All the men are looking at their wives right now like, should I say something? I'm not going to say nothing. Not going to say nothing. I'll answer for you. Annoyance, frustration, right? Confusion, maybe a little little anger, get a little upset. All all different. It could be anywhere on this the scope of, of emotion on the, on the spectrum, where you start feeling all of these things. And so she, she's nagging him. He's tormented. He's annoyed. He's frustrated. What does he do? Fine. Here's the answer. Gives in, gives her the answer. She takes it to her, 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 her townspeople. They come back with the answer. Now he's upset. Now he's mad. Now he's furious. If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have known the answer. Let's continue the story to see what happens next. Go ahead and put that scripture up. Right after that, it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, killed 30 dudes, took their clothes, gave that set of clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. Remember, he had bet them. If, if, if I lose, I'll give you each a set of clothes. Goes down, kills random guys, takes their clothes, gives it to pay off his debt. But Samson was what? Furious. He was furious about what had happened. So what does Samson do? He goes back to live with his mom. He goes back to his mama's basement. Thank you. Someone's got someone in the basement right now. Someone's got a Samson. She's trying to kick out. She, he goes back to mom and dad's basement. Why? Because he's so mad. He was so frustrated that he gave her the answer. Now he's so angry that he kills these men. And so, so furious that I'm just going to go home and live with my mom because she knows how to cook really good and you don't. It's like the kid at the playground who takes his ball. is like, I'm just going to go home then. 
Now, nobody can play. Like, you don't have to be a jerk about it. But that's what Samson is doing. Why? Because in his immaturity, he's allowing his emotions to dictate the decisions that he makes. Just because you feel it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Just because you feel it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Doesn't mean that you have to act on it. He was furious. He was angry. He was probably embarrassed. Maybe a little ashamed of himself. I can't believe I did that. How could I be so stupid? Why did I tell her the answer? All of these questions and all of these emotions begin to, 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 to flood him. And he goes down, kills these guys, takes their t- clothes, pays off his debt, runs home to mom and dad. When you make decisions, are they typically well thought out or do you find yourself acting impulsively? When you're making emotional decisions, you'll find yourself acting impulsively. You'll find yourself making decisions without sitting down and thinking through them and processing through them. But you find yourself just just acting for the sake of acting, doing something for the sake of doing something. Even in your boredom, I just have to do something. You find yourself making these decisions. Anytime you act on your emotions or anytime you, you make decisions impulsively, you will always be sacrificing what you ultimately want for what you want right now. You'll be sacrificing what you ultimately want for what might appease something in you right now. What did Samson ultimately want? Ultimately, in this part of Samson's life, he just wants to marry this girl. She looks good. I want to be with her. I want to marry her. Dad, get her for me. Awesome. But what does he do? In his, in his emotion, in his impulsivity, he sacrifices that to just, just stop tormenting me. Stop nagging me, woman. Just leave me alone. Why you got to keep, why you just keep on me all the time, all the time, all the time. Fine, here, here's this what you want. Here's the answer. Here's the answer to the riddle. He's furious about the situation. Rather than being a man, he runs home to, to his parents. Why? Because in his impulsivity, he sacrificed what he ultimately wanted just to satisfy something in him now. Don't be led by your emotions. Don't be controlled by your emotions. Don't allow your emotions to dictate. I told you a few months ago, emotions are indicators, not directives. When you feel something, you don't need to act. Just sit down and ask, where's this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? Talk to somebody about it. Find somebody that you can, you can have a conversation with. He was ruled by his emotions. The second thing that we see in Samson's life, second sign of his immaturity is that Samson refused to take responsibility. Absolutely no responsibility taken on his part. He goes home and, and he moves back into his parents' basement Verse 1 of chapter 15 tells us that a time later, Samson comes with a goat. He shows up at his father-in-law's house with this goat, and he, he presents the goat to his father-in-law and says, now I'm going to go into my wife's room and sleep with her. I'm, I'm going to go consummate my marriage. And the dad's like, well, hold on a second, Samson. Like, when you stormed out of here, you were really upset when you left. When you moved back in with your parents, I thought that this thing was over. I didn't know that you were going to come back. You, you were so mad and so emotional. I figured that this was over. So, so I actually gave my daughter to the best man in your wedding. She's married to him now. So you can't go in and sleep with her because she's another man's wife. But here, take her younger sister. She's even more beautiful. Look at what Samson says in verse 3. Samson says, this time, I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. What's he saying? This isn't on me. This isn't my fault. He's saying what had happened was, you ever know somebody like that? When, when something goes wrong and you confront them on it, their answer is, well, what had happened was, well, why didn't you get this done at work? You don't need to be talking to me. I didn't get what I needed from this department. So you're, you need to talk to them. It's not my fault. It's their fault. You're talking, you're barking up the wrong tree. You're talking to the wrong person. Listen, if you find yourself shifting the blame and taking it off of yourself and and not just shifting the blame, but just refusing to take responsibility for your own actions, immaturity might be something that you you struggle with, something you really need to look at in your own life. He, He gets so angry and then makes decisions in his emotion. And then when it comes back on him, refuses to take any responsibility. I can't be blamed for what's about to happen to you guys. And look at how deep he goes. Look at, look, like, the scheming of this man. Like, not only am I mad at you, not only am I frustrated, not only am I angry, not only am I furious, but look at the depths to which I'll go 
just to show you. It says that then he went out and caught 300 foxes. Have you ever caught a fox? They're fast. Not easy, let alone 300 of them. He takes these foxes, ties their tails together in pairs. Now he has 100 pairs of foxes with their tails tied together. He fastens a torch to each pair of tails. And you can imagine what's coming next. He lights the torches. He lets the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burns all of their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroys their vineyards and their olive groves. Why? It's not my fault. Don't come looking for me. When your fields, when your fields burn, you know who to thank. It's not me, it's yourself. You need to look in the mirror. He's refusing to take any responsibility. So the Philistines come out, they find their grain burned to the ground, and their question is, who did this? The answer, Samson. Well, why would Samson do this? Because his father-in-law gave his wife to another man to be married. So what do the Philistines do? They go and they take this girl and her father and they burn them alive. Yeah, right, exactly. Like you can't, like this is, you can't stop reading this. This is in your Bible. You probably never even read it. Better than any soap opera movie you will ever watch. Like this is real stuff. They take this girl and her dad, burn them alive. Why? Then they didn't do anything. The result of Samson's, if Samson wouldn't have left her standing at the altar, the dad never would have given her away. All a result of Samson's decisions, but he's refusing to take responsibility. This isn't my fault. I can't be blamed for this. So now they kill this woman and her dad. Look at what Samson, how Samson refuses to the situation. Verse seven, just a couple of verses later. He looks at him and says, because you did this. <laughs> Let's forget about what I did. But because you did this, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fear and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave. So look at the pattern of Samson's life right now. He's getting married, gets emotional, responds in his emotions, makes a poor decision, goes home to live with his parents, finds out that, that, that his wife has been given to somebody else, in his emotion, responds again, makes a poor decision, Sets these fields on fire. His decision don't just, don't just affect him at this point, but start to affect those around him because this girl and her dad gets, get, get burned alive. And anytime you compromise and start making emotional decisions, you need to understand you're not the only person you're hurting with your decisions. You're not the only one who's getting burned up as a result of your decisions. You're not the only one whose life is catching on fire as a result of your decisions because your decisions don't just affect you, but they begin to affect people around you as well. Yes. And even in this, he doesn't stop to say, you know what, I probably, I probably took it too far. Catching those foxes, it took me a lot of time and it gave me time to think. And, and rather than thinking, you know what, Samson, you don't need to be doing this. It just drove me further towards it. You know what, maybe I shouldn't have left her standing at the altar. You know what, maybe I shouldn't have made the bet in the first place. You know what, maybe I shouldn't have looked at a Philistine woman and, and lusted after her and wanted to be, to be married to her. Maybe I should have obeyed God's word when he told us when we moved into the promised land only to marry Israelites and not to marry those living in the land because maybe God knew this would happen. And so maybe if I trace it all the way back to the beginning and had made different decisions along the way, I wouldn't be where I am. But that's not Samson's thought process. His thought process is, I'm mad, who do I have to hurt? So he goes to live in this cave. Well, the Philistines learn he's in this cave. So they come down. They start tormenting the Israelites in that area. The Israelites go to the, the Philistines like, dude, why are you guys doing this to us? We didn't do, we literally didn't do anything to you. And they said, you need to talk to your boy Samson. Because you didn't do anything, but Samson did. So the 3,000 men of Judah come to this cave to, to retrieve Samson. They say to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines are ruling over us? What are you doing to us? Again, your decisions don't just affect you. Samson replies, I only did to them what they did to me. Samson, here's an opportunity for you to take responsibility for your decisions. And his response is, I just did it because they did it first. Like, are we back on the playground in kindergarten again? They started it. No, Samson, they didn't start it. Samson, you started it. 
Samson, you're here as a result of your decisions, not because of what somebody else has done to you, but because of what you've done to yourself. Are you going to take responsibility for it? See, so many of us want to just, want to just cast the blame. We, 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 we don't want to take any responsibility. We don't want to take responsibility at home. We don't want to take responsibility in our marriage. We don't want to take responsibility for our kids. We don't want to take responsibility at work. We don't want to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. Pastor John, feed me. Take responsibility. Pastor John, Pastor Angel, can we meet with you? Because my, my life's falling apart. Okay, well, how did you get here? I don't know. Just one day I woke No. Samson didn't just wake up in a cave one day. He didn't just wake up with the Philistines chasing him one day. It was a result of all of the decisions that Samson had made that got him to that point. And if he would have stopped and, and taken responsibility anywhere along the way, just say, hey, guys, look, probably shouldn't have burned your fields. Probably shouldn't have killed those 30 dudes in town for their clothes. Probably shouldn't have left my wife standing at the altar. I probably shouldn't have made the bet with you in the first. I probably, listen, that's on me. I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. If he had stopped anywhere along the way and taken responsibility, things probably could have been mended. But he gets to this point where he says, they started it. It's not on me. As men, it's time for us to start taking responsibility. Take responsibility for your family. Take responsibility for your spiritual growth. Take responsibility for your kids. It's not your kids' fault. They're following your lead. Teach your kids to take responsibility. The school calls. It's not the teacher's fault. My teacher just doesn't like my kid. Maybe your kid's just a little brat in the class. The coach won't play my kid. He's got something. Maybe your kid just has a bad attitude. Maybe your kid needs to be taught to take responsibility for their actions. I play golf with a friend of mine who's a, a head varsity coach at a high school in town. I won't tell you what school, but he, he coaches a sport and we're out golfing, just me and him. And he says, dude, I got an email from a parent this week that was like three pages long, basically just like, why didn't my kid make the team? He said, do you want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> he pulls out his phone, he starts reading through this email. And this parent emailed and says, my kid is better than this kid. My kid is better than that kid. I have parents calling me, asking me why my kid didn't make the team when my kid is better than half the kids out there. We gave more money than this family to the fundraiser. We gave more money than this family to the fundraiser. I've had a conversation with my kid. I've had a conversation with other parents. None of us can understand why my kid is not in the, on the team. Can you please explain yourself? Because it seems that something is wrong on your end of this. And so I was like, dude, <laughs> so did you respond? He said, yeah, I responded. I said, well, read me your response. So then he pulled up his response. And here was his response. His response was essentially, the kids who make our team don't make our team based on how much money their families give. The kids who make our team don't, make, don't, don't necessarily make our team even based upon the skill that they have. He said, but your kid, the reason your kid is not on the team is because he was a bad teammate. He had a bad attitude and he was disrespectful to his coaches. Every time he got out, he would throw his bat, he would throw his helmet, he would come in the dugout and cuss, and there is no room on that, on my team, for any of that. And so that is the reason why your kid is not on the team. It's not because he wasn't good enough or didn't have the talent, it's because that he wasn't taking responsibility for his own actions. And listen, so many kids are growing up thinking that it's not my fault. It's their fault or it's society's fault or it's my environment's fault or it's my friend's fault or the only reason I was there is because my, listen, take responsibility for yourself. We need to start getting back to, to understanding that. And as men, it starts with us. Take responsibility. For yourself, well, well, you know, when, when, when we find ourselves in that, well, if that, that advertisement didn't come up on my phone. If that commercial didn't come up on TV, if I wasn't alone, if they didn't have those movies at the hotel anyway, if she wasn't wearing that at the gym, then I never would have talked to her. And if I never would have talked to her, we never would have exchanged phone numbers. And if we never would have exchanged phone numbers, we never would have met up that night. And if we never would have met up that night, it never would have gotten to that point, but it's on her. She wore that to the gym. That's what Samson, that's exactly what Samson's doing. 
a series of decisions that he looks back and says, it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. That's not, that's not on me. As men, we need to start taking responsibility for our decisions and taking ownership over our actions. The third thing, the last thing that, that we see in this story is that Samson was boastful. He was boastful. These 3,000 men from, from Judah come to get Samson like Samson, like, I understand you're in a hard spot, but now your decisions are affecting us because they're coming after us. And so we got to turn you over. So they tie him up. They deliver him to the Philistines. And what does Samson do? He breaks the ropes. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey. It says that he, he killed a thousand of these men with the jawbone of a donkey. Again, what was he not supposed to touch? Dead things. Here he is again, touching touching dead things. Picks up the jawbone of a donkey. He kills a thousand of these men. And look at what Samson says. He writes his own song. He says, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them up in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. At least when they were singing songs about David, the women wrote those songs. Here, Samson is writing his own song. Like, look at how awesome I am with, with just the jawbone of a donkey. I've killed a thousand men and I've piled them up, up in heaps. It says that when he had finished boasting, he threw away the jawbone. He's boastful. What does it mean to boast? Here's what it means to boast. Here's the definition of boast. To talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. Hey, come look at my new boat. Hey, come look at this new toy that I got. Hey, I got that promotion at work because nobody else is on my level. They can't compete with me. Do you, do you find yourself talking boastfully with, with, with self-satisfaction about what you have or what you've done or what you've accomplished? Who is getting the glory for your success? How do I know if I'm boastful? Listen, yes, you can take pride in hard work. You can take pride in, in what you've done. You, you can be proud of that, absolutely. But where it crosses the line into boastful is, is who gets the glory for it. What Samson is doing, he's saying, everybody look at me and how awesome I am. Yeah. Everyone come see how good I look, right? That's essentially what, what he's saying. Versus, hey, we accomplished this great victory, but it wasn't my own strength. It was, it was the Lord who strengthened me. And the only reason I'm here is not because of myself, but it's because of God in me. Rather than bringing the glory to me, let me direct you to the one who really deserves the glory. Who gets the glory for the success in your life? Are you boasting in yourself? Are you bringing people? Are you drawing men unto yourself or are you drawing men to God? Who is the direction of the glory? Where, where does the direction of glory go in your life? When things fell apart, Samson was quick to blame others. When things went well, Samson was quick to take the credit. Oh, what? You've got a trophy? Yes, I will receive the trophy. Did you lose? No, I didn't lose. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. That must have been somebody else. Oh, well, they had started it. I can't be blamed for what I'm about to do to them. Had they not, he's so quick to blame others. When again, you trace every decision in Samson's life back to the beginning. Never should have married a Philistine woman. Never should have touched the, the lion to get the honey. Had he not touched the lion, he never would have had the riddle to tell. Never should have thrown the party for drinking. Had he not been drinking, he probably wouldn't have come up with the idea to tell a riddle. Never should have told the riddle in the first place. Never should have given his wife the answer to the riddle. Never should have made the bet. Never should have killed the 30 men for their clothes. Never should have caught the foxes. Never should have tied them up. Never should have lit the fields on fire. Never should have killed the, 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 the original men. Never should have gone down to live in a cave. Never should have killed the thousand men with the jawbone. Never should have had he, had he just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> okay, things are a little crazy right now. My life is kind of spinning out of control. Feels like there's a Philistine behind every, water, every rock looking for me. How did I get myself to this place? Had he just slowed down and said, you know what? Let me just pause. What am I feeling? Why do I feel so angry? Why do I feel embarrassed? Why do I feel ashamed of my decisions? Why do I feel like, like I'm just a failure? Why, why are these feelings here? Okay, let me understand where this is coming from so that I can act accordingly. And then start taking responsibility. Man, I shouldn't have done that. Man, that was messed up. Man, I'm crazy. Man, why? That's that. Like, that's like 2020 level stuff. Like, they're going to make a documentary about this later. Like, I don't know. If you're just, if you're just taking responsibility, repent of your actions. 
apologize for your actions. Go to the person that you've hurt by your actions and make right what you've done. Listen, this, this is in the church too, in, in your small group. Take responsibility for your actions. You said something that hurt somebody else. Well, they, they started it. Well, they shouldn't have said this. Take responsibility for you. Apologize. Repent. Own it. That's maturity. And then when something goes right and you're living right with God and God begins to bless you and you start bringing your tithe and God begins to open up those doors and open the windows and, and giving you job offer after job offer. Listen, it's not because I'm so great. There is nothing in my life to boast about. The only thing that I can boast in is my weakness. And that's what Paul said. Paul said, listen, I was caught up to heaven. Like I was, I was taken literally to see things and hear things that, that I can't even begin to explain in words. He said, I could boast about it. What does he say? Second Corinthians. He says, the, the experience was worth boasting about. No, the second Corinthians scripture. There we go. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. The only thing I'm going to boast in is my weakness. Why? Because it's in my weakness that God's strength is able to work in me. If I'm going to, if I'm going to boast about anything, it's not going to be my accomplishments or my achievements. It's not going to be my possessions or all the good things that I've done. It's going to be my weakness. It's not going to be all the missions trips that I've went on or all the outreaches that I've served or all the money that I've given. If I'm going to boast about anything, it's going to be my weakness. And God, I can't do it unless you do it through me. And I'm nothing without you. But in you, I live and move and have my being. God, would you come and your strength be made perfect in my weakness? Because I am such a weak being and I'm so immature and I'm so emotional. I'm so prideful. I'm so just, just ugly on the inside. But God, would you come? Would you move in me? It's when we boast in our weakness that then God can move through us. It's when we boast in ourselves that we put ourselves up to fall. Pride comes before the fall. Pride comes before the fall. When you boast and you draw people to you, all you're doing is setting them up for, for disappointment and setting yourself up for failure. Everyone, come look at me. You're going to disappoint them and you're going to fall on your face eventually. But hey, everybody, come look at God who's never going to disappoint. And by his power at work within us is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask or imagine. May I not boast in myself, but may I boast about how good my God is. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Mm, God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that this morning we have something to boast about. It has nothing to do with us other than our need for you. Other than our lack and our emptiness, and God, we, we need you in our weakness with your strength be made perfect. God, we repent of our pride. We, we repent of the compromise. We, we repent of our immaturity, being led and ruled and dominated by our emotions and allowing our emotions to dictate the course of our life rather than allowing your word to be the lamp that leads us and the light that guides us. Lord, may we not be controlled by those. May we recognize them. May we understand them. May we, may we process through them. May we manage them properly, acting then the, the right way that we should in order to, or according to the circumstances. But God, we don't want to be led by our emotions like Samson, who was frustrated and who was annoyed and was furious and was angry and was upset and was ashamed and embarrassed and we see him time and time being emotional and acting, emotional and acting, emotional and acting. And we see where that got him to in his story. God, we don't want that for our lives. So may we use this as a cautionary tale. As a reminder that you have called us to lives of maturity, to lives of continual growth, emotional physical, mental, spiritual, relational growth in every area of our lives. God, if there's anything that we haven't taken responsibility for, I pray that you would shine the light on that. If there's any blame that we are casting, I pray that you would show us those things. God, if there is, is any, they started it and, and it's not me and what had happened, Lord, no. From this day forward, may we take responsibility and ownership. As men, may we take responsibility and ownership in our home. May we take responsibility for our marriage. May we invest intentionally in our relationship with our spouse, with our kids, with our family, with those around us. May we take responsibility in the workplace, not shirking our duties, but, but God, even going above and beyond. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the men and the women that you have called us to be. Help us to grow in every way. This morning, if you're here and you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want something to boast about, maybe you look at your life and it's, it's like Samson and it's one bad decision after another. And you're just like, I need somebody to help me. Listen, the only help that is available is the help that comes from Jesus Christ. And he's made his help available to each of us. If we would just call upon him, then he would be our Lord. He would be our savior. He would lead us and he would guide us in all of his ways. And this morning, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do so. I wanna pray with you really quick, but I just wanna know who I'm praying with. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor John, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, thank you. Thank you, young man, anybody else? Thank you, sir. You can put it right back down, thank you. If you're joining us online, you can pray this prayer right where you're at as well. Church, would you help us to pray today? Just pray this prayer, prayer from your heart. Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up your life so I could find new life in you. And today, I admit, I need help. I've messed up. I've done things and said things. Would you come and change me? Change me from the inside out. Replace my mind with yours. Replace my heart with yours. Lead me in all of your ways. From this day forward, help me to live for you, giving you the honor and the glory that is due your name. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Lord, whether it was the first time, the hundredth time, doesn't matter. There are angels rejoicing and, and we are rejoicing with them today. The greatest day of their life, coming into relationship with you. We thank you for that. Lord, we boast in you. We boast in your goodness. We boast not in ourselves, but Lord, we refuse to be okay with immaturity today. Help us to take one step today and another step tomorrow on this path of growth until we look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Listen, God bless you guys. Happy Father's Day. If you prayed that prayer or if you need a special prayer, we've got some of our prayer team down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If not, be blessed. Enjoy your day. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Listen. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.